Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Army Talk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of Omni Talk, the fast-growing retail blog that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, Ann, the blog that focuses on tomorrow's companies today. We do and say that. We do say that, don't we? Yes. And you can't be a blog, Ann, that focuses on omni-channel retail without talking about the supply chain and more importantly, the last mile. So joining us today is a veritable expert on that subject. And I am pleased to introduce to you Pure Later's Senior Director of Retail, Lori Weston. Lori is here to talk about everything it takes to create a delivery network that operates within three miles of your customer at every turn. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. And it's so nice to be here. And what an intro. So I can't wait to, uh, to talk about it. Woo! Met the great on the intro. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you are definitely a veritable expert on this subject. Probably one of the most person with the most expertise we've ever had on this show. And before we get started, I just want to make a call out to everyone that we're going to have a discussion with Lori. So just a quick reminder for those watching the early release of this interview live on LinkedIn with us right now, feel free to ask your questions of Lori or even Anne or myself, should the mood strike you via the chat session window on the right-hand side of your screen. All right, Lori, you ready to get started? Ready more than ever, Chris. So yes, <laughs> let's do it. Well, Lori, let's, let's set the table here first. Can you tell us a little bit about what Purolator is and what, what you do there? Yeah, so Purolator is an integrated freight package and logistics provider. And you know what's really interesting? I mean, we have an extensive network across Canada. And, you know, the interesting thing, Chris and Ann, a lot of people don't know about us is we've been around 60 plus years. Right. So, yeah, so 60 plus years, we have a huge reach in Canada. And so we're able to deliver to some of the most remote locations um, and deliver on our customers' promises. So we're Canadian owned, we've been here a long time and we like to deliver packages. And that's what I think I'm glad you brought that up about remotes, because I think that's one thing the American audience doesn't understand about Canada. I know those who worked at Target and saw the Target experiment in Canada know full well, but I think for the rest of our listenership, explain what remote really means in terms of Canada. So, you know, trying to yeah. solve this question of how do you put a network within three miles of everyone in a remote geography like Canada is, is no easy feat. So explain the remoteness, if you will, Lori, of Canada. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, Chris, because Canada is so different than the, the U.S., of course. So, you know, the majority of the population live in a thin line across Canada, right, in major mm. cities. But when you talk about remote, we're talking about um, Yukon in Whitehorse. We're talking about northern Ontario, north of Thunder Bay. And a lot of these locations, what's interesting is it could be sunny here, but blizzard up north, right? So um, that's one thing to take into consideration uh, when we're delivering to Canadians. So you've got the weather, the environment, but the distance to your point. Right. So remote can be very, very remote. Yeah, the weather too. I didn't even think about that, how the weather yeah. changes and plays into the remoteness that is under discussion. That's fascinating. Yeah, I asked yeah that it's really fascinating. Well, Lori, what kind of challenges does that provide? I mean, we can make some assumptions about weather related challenges, but mm. I mean, let's really talk about, let's get a little bit deeper into, you know, what that means logistically for retailers. What, how, how are they getting goods in these days of promises of same day delivery or next day mm -hmm. delivery to those people in those remote locations? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Anne, because especially with the growth of e-commerce, this pandemic, definitely lots of more online shopping. Um, and you know what we've also found? A lot of people that were living in cities have moved north, right? So our mm -hmm. volume has changed. Um, so we're moving, you know, we obviously still have those urban deliveries, but those rural and mid-market deliveries have definitely gone up. So we deliver, we've got a fleet, a massive fleet of trucks across Canada, couriers. Um, we have, I build a, a massive um, alternate network. And what that entails is allowing our customers in rural areas and urban markets, um, you know, we will try and deliver to their house, but if they're not home, we make sure that we have a, a location where they can pick up their package at a convenient time. So it is, it's a lot to try and cover Canada coast to coast. Um, and get those packages delivered, but we do we do it every year. So explain your take a minute to to explain your role then within that at Curator mm -hmm. and and what your charge was specifically in bringing that about. Yeah, so I'm the senior director of retail. What that entails is um, I oversee our corporate stores across Canada, and we have 104 of those stores. So those stores are operated by our employees. Mm -hmm. um, but we also, Chris, we have um, strategic partners. So anywhere a customer can pick up and drop off a package falls under my umbrella. Some of those partners, for example, which you may know, we're in every Michael's location across Canada. Mm. Um, we've also partnered with Staples. So customers can go in and pick up and drop off there. We've partnered with Pudo, which is like a convenience store play. Okay. And also Metrolinx. I'm not sure if you've heard of Metrolinx, but they are um, a bus and go train service in the greater Toronto area. And it's kind of a unique partnership because that's where people go and jump on the train, jump on the bus, and they can also pick up and drop off their package. But um, to add to that, what we've been really focused on the last few years is really kind of innovating the type of access our customers um, have. And so we've got our agent partners, we've got our corporate stores, but something else that we've added is a fleet of mobile trucks. So, and we have 29 mobile trucks. And what that is exactly is we've taken 29 of our old retired curbside vehicles and we've turned them into what, I know this is interesting, what looks like a, a, a food truck, okay. um, but it's actually a courier retail store on wheels. And what's interesting about this solution is that we can pop them up um, in the middle of peak, November and December, for customers to pick up and drop off packages. So that's one new thing we've done. Another thing we've added in the last couple of years is self-serve kiosks. So okay. this is where our customers have, um, I mean, clearly they want contactless, they wanna be able to do it on their own. So we've launched 39 self-serve kiosks across Canada where customers can pick up and drop off. And last but not least, I promise Chris, I'm almost over. <laughs> um, we've launched um, parcel lockers. So we've parcel partnered, lockers. Yeah, partnered with Quadiant. And we've got lockers uh, across Canada. So you mentioned lockers, Lori. Like, tell us a little bit about that particular outlet and what mm -hmm. you're seeing in terms of how customers are kind of adopting or adapting to lockers as the solution for, for them that's contactless, that's quick, yeah. that's easy, all those things that you mentioned. Yeah, and it's interesting because lockers obviously have been around a long time. They're really starting to sprout up here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very favorable to lockers. I think number one, to your point, it's low contact, low touch. Um, customers can interact with them. But what's 
the strategy that we're moving towards is a 24-7 access, really driving the flexibility and the convenience for the customer. Mm-hmm. So the lockers that we have installed are outside. So, okay. and what's interesting is we're finding 11% of our customers are going to pick up after hours. Wow. So it's showing that they do want to go at 10 o'clock at night. They do want to go in at 5 o'clock in the morning um, to pick up their packages. So, um, and we have 23 and we're launching more this year. But what's interesting also about the parcel lockers, in order for it to be really successful for us, we have to have a high occupancy rate. And what that means is we want the lockers filled with freight, right? We want as mm-hmm. much packages in there as possible. Um, and right now we're currently sitting at 78% occupancy rate, which is pretty high. Um, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Got it. And, uh, Lori, oh, what, what's the, what's the, like, how does that work out from like the location of these lockers? Where are they? I mean, I, you mentioned that you have partnerships with Michaels, with Staples. Um, what are the, what are, what kind of goes into the decision-making process when you're trying to get these, these parcels closer to consumers? Yeah. um, Determining where to put them. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about our strategy. So when we decided to roll out some lockers, the first thing we did was actually roll them out outside of our corporate. And there's a couple of reasons why I did that. One, it's a very controlled environment. So first, we're offering 24-7 to those customers that are going to our location today to pick up. Um, But we've also been able to work on the employee adoption rate. Um, How how are the employees interacting with the parcel locker? At the end of the day, you can roll out as many of these as you want, but if the careers employees are not able to interact with the locker in a very seamless way, it's only as good as the people using the technology. Right. We first started with that, rolling it out, and it's huge success for us for a couple of reasons. One, when they're attached to our store, it really increases our capacity during peak times, right? So less freight in behind the counter, less reduced lineups, um, greater customer satisfaction. They can come and go. They don't have to go into the store. Um, so people are nervous with that with COVID and so forth. So that's where we started. Next, we're going off property. So where we decide to put these lockers in is a couple of reasons. One, where's the market gap? So when we talk about wanting to get within three kilometers of a Canadian, where are our current market gaps? And that's how we're gonna start filling those gaps. Um, We've got one going live at our um, GO station here in Brampton, Greater Toronto area, off property. Um, So we can see how customers interact. that's the strategy moving forward. Market gaps, um, fill it with lockers, or some of our other solutions as well. So, Lori, just to play that back for everyone listening, then. So, basically, what you said in the opening, you said, you know, you've got this whole basically superstructure of pickup points, you know, mm-hmm. or collection points throughout Canada. You know, it sounds like most most of which are say partner access points, for lack of a better way yep. to describe them. Places like like Michaels, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing that is important to double click into. You're seeing the need then or the demand for 24 seven access yes. by way of lockers, particularly, and then yep. being able to, to service this. Is that, is that's a correct summary of what you just described? Bang on, exactly. And the corporate stores, Chris, that we're building right now, we've got a, quite mm-hmm. a few coming up this year. Mm-hmm. We're building it so it has um, a 24 seven vestibule. Really? So customers, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yep. So they can go in, We've got our parcel lockers, but we also have our kiosk where they can induct their parcel, create a shipment, and you can go in at midnight if you want, pay by debit and credit, create the label, and you can drop it off. So 
Um, I really believe that's the way. The more 24-7 access we can provide to our customers, the more strategic and competitive, quite frankly, um, at the end of the day. And it sounds like for the most part, you're putting this, you know, for lack of a better way, where people work, live, and play, like the high-density yes. urban environments right now too, right? You got and, it. Yeah. So my question then, let me, my question then for, for you then is, do you think that's all or the only place for this locker opportunity? Or where do you see the, because again, remote locations like we opened yeah. in the beginning do you see that there's a rural a rural opportunity for lockers I do. as well oh you do okay i do I'm curious. You know talk what? about that you know what i love doing honestly in my job and i'm so lucky is let like test and pilot so mm. i i do agree with you chris i think there's a huge opportunity for some remote areas to put a parcel locker where customers maybe have to drive a bit further to go pick up a package. Now they can only drive, you know, maybe it takes five minutes to go and pick up a, a parcel. It's really going to depend on the volume going to these remote locations, Chris. That's really what would be the, the deciding factor. Um, yeah, so definitely rural. I think um, we're definitely going to be testing that out this year. That's interesting. And what, what are some of the volume indices or indicators that would make one want to put a locker in a, yeah. in a more rural setting, for example. This is so awesome. there's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of things we look at. So the lockers um, designed right now for people to come and pick up a package. So what one of the um, indices we look at is the, the total number of packages, let's call it mystically. So sometimes mm. people are expecting, uh, maybe it's an iPhone or a value, uh, an item of high value. You can't leave it on the doorstep or it's a condo or whatever that reason may be that's going to go back into the parcel locker. So Chris, you'll get a text notification. You can now pick up your package. So the missed deliveries is one key metric that we're going to look at. But what's an okay. interesting metric that um, we're paying more and more attention to is the returns. Mm. So right now our lockers are enabled for pickup. But this year we're going to turn on the feature where you now, Chris, will be able to go and return a package. So you will now be able to take your package if it has label on it, you can go to the locker, scan the label, and then you'll be able, a, a door will pop open, you place it in, and the courier collects it at the end of the day. Mm. So I think from a strategy perspective, it increases occupancy rate, but also the convenience for pickup and drop off. Got it. So so mm -hmm. returns and missed and missed miss shipments or whatever. What was yep. the phrase you used? Yeah. Miss shipments and returns are, are two of the mm -hmm. leading indices for you guys to determine where to place lockers. That's good. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, customers well, can also, you know, we have a lot of big retailers that are integrated with our network. So when, and let's, let's say, or Chris, you go to an online checkout, um, it'll ask you if you want home delivery or do you want an alternate address to go pick up? You can select a pure later location and on that list will be our lockers amongst all of our other access points as well. So that's another way customers can interact with, with us. Well, and Lori, you, you're a, you're a logistics company. You guys have been doing this for almost 60 years. I'm curious what advice you would have for the retailers and brands that might be listening to this too. Like how should they be thinking about kind of setting up these logistics points, both, you know, the ones that we were talking about in these rural communities, but then also in urban communities, what are the kind of like key things that they should be thinking about as they're determining like how, how and where to set these up? Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, being able to offer customers um, solutions, so like um, not just delivery, but also pickup. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people get busy, they're not at home. So can the big retailers offer that opportunity um, for not just home delivery, but an alternate location to pick up? 
I also think it also depends on um, paying attention to the, the areas, the condos and apartment buildings. Those are very difficult for us to deliver to, believe it or not. Right. So, you know, people are not home, buzzer codes, and a lot of the concierge are getting flooded with law, um, parcels. So, you know, um, understanding where their, their customers live, providing an easy return solution. You know, there's, um, there's a, a direct correlation to customer loyalty and the ease of returns. Um, you know, one thing that we've been very focused on is offering, you know, packetry returns to customers when they come into our stores. Um, can they enable their customers with a QR code um, to print their label? Because not everyone has a printer at home. Um, you know, so those are kind of the things that they really should think about. And that's what I'm thinking about, honestly. As a consumer, I'm a big online shopper. So, and I want speed. I want the package there delivered in a timely fashion. I think everyone's expecting that now, no matter where you live, right, Chris, remote um, or in the city. So, you know, it's it's changing. Right. So, yeah, I'm curious, you know, Anna and I being retailers ourselves, like I'm curious and double clicking into that a little bit more. Like, let's say I'm a retailer. I'm curious. I'm, I'm actually curious as I ask this question, like how it matters, depending on what size of retailer you are or if it's the same stepwise process for both. Like, you know, you mentioned integrating with the website, for example, like that's yeah. one thing, but like. You know, say I'm a retailer, you know, I want, I come to you and say, I want to get closer to my customer from a last mile perspective. I want to be within three miles. I like, I like that idea. I like that concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I should do? What's the one foot I should put in front of the other to start to make that happen? Is it, is it integrating with you guys online to then put your full range of pickup points, you know, on display for their consumers or, you know, unwrap that for me, I guess. Is, is, is yeah. You know, we've, we've got, um, a big focus for us is small, medium businesses that are starting out. Um, they're wanting, you know, they want that premium service. They want to provide their customers, whether it's a small base or it's growing, whatever it is, um, the opportunity um, to either pick up a package, have it delivered to their home. So they still have the same services, Chris, it's just on a smaller scale. So okay. they're not a full integration with us. Um, but they are able to interact with our um, online um Shipping software. Um, yeah, so there's, um, it depends on your big or small. Sometimes we provide customers with systems um, if, they're, if they're a lot larger. Um, but it's very easy for small businesses to interact with us um, and, start, and start building their business, um, especially cross-border if they have questions with customs. Um, we're very detailed with them and helping them along the way. Do they even have to go through the process of that? Like, Lori, like, I want it to be available in lockers. I want it to be available in your partner locations. Or does that just come with the territory and say working with someone like you? Um, it depends on the size. A lot of people, okay. a lot of our customers will integrate our locations at the point of checkout. Others will ask the customer where they want it delivered to. And a lot of our customers will give the address of an alternate location. So that's one way around it as well. Okay. Um, but if you go on our online shipping soft, uh, system right now, Chris, and you want to create a shipment, you can put in your postal code and it'll say, here are the 10 closest locations for pickup. So the, we can also, you know, they can do that as well. Got it. Mm -hmm. Lori, Lori, I'm curious, you mentioned that you, you also work, or this is an option available for small and medium-sized businesses as well, mm -hmm. all the way up to the Michaels and Staples of the world. Mm -hmm. What kind of traffic are they seeing or what kind of results have those retailers seen, you know, cause I think that that's another mm. big thing that's not talked about as yes. often is 
the, you know, the convenience that you're offering of, you know, giving them an alternate touch point or, or pickup yeah. point or return point, um, when they, they aren't, you know, they that's, it's in front of a place that they're going day to day or they're, they yeah. make a weekly trip to how does yeah. that kind of play into the advantages that some that you're seeing or that some of your customers are seeing? Well, customers want convenience. That's what's really driving them. So when we're able to yeah. offer them many more locations, like the Michaels, the Staples, um, to your point, and they're already going into the community to go pick up groceries or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a huge convenience for them. And what's really interesting for our partners, it increases foot traffic for them, right? So if we're driving customers that may not necessarily be going into Michael's. Um, but now that they're there, how do you turn that around? And, um, and a lot of times people end up um, buying from the host business. So, um, yeah, and the customers can select because they could go to Michael's to drop off um, Staples, Zaputo, you know, so it's really up to them. Um, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll go to Staples, but the next day I need to go to Michael's to, to buy something. So it's really yeah. driving that convenience. It's changing. Yeah. It's putting it into the consumer, uh, allowing them to make the choice. They're not forced yeah. to go to, yeah. Yeah, I love that because I think yeah. that so often we think of a store as the confine of, you know, one Michael exactly. store or one staple store. And this is kind of like right. bringing that option of all of these yes. stores and, and the convenience of having multi multiple stores, which really is what's driving some people to malls in some cases. You know, exactly. you have multiple online returns to do, but that that experience can happen in front of one store that's you know, within three miles of my house you or three it. kilometers of my house versus, you know, having to drive all to yep. 15 different points across town. That's really fascinating. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. So Lori, I have to ask you then, do you get into the network design angles of that too, in terms of like, when you start to pick your partners, like here are the partners that are, you know, a part of different trip occasions for the end consumer to that's say, okay, to Anne's point, like, you know, maybe I want, the grocery store, you know, in for, for in this certain area because of the amount of trip frequency they have. But, you know, I want to complement that with the office supply store. Is, is that go into the whole process? I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. We do take that into consideration in some markets. Um, so we do look at that. And, you know, what? so just like um, Michaels and Staples, they're also a customer of ours. So not only have they partnered with us to become an agent for us, um, um, but they they ship with us, right? So they've been a Purolator client for such a long time. Um, so it's a really nice way to, to make that relationship even stickier. Um, but yeah, it depends on, on where the market gaps are, Chris, um, and then also the density on volume right. um, that we take a look at. But it's, it's really interesting how it's mapping out across Canada and allowing customers to go um, they're making the decision uh, on where to go and we're going to continue to grow. So we want to get to 2,500 access locations by the end of 2023. Wow. Wow. And you have how many again right now? How many just for perspective? Um, yeah. 1,770 today and okay, we're so growing every month. Okay. So almost um, not quite double, but almost double yep. for, lack of, for a quick back of the envelope math while I'm on a <laughs> webinar with yep. you. But that, that's I'll take your math. <laughs> yeah. That's a significant increase though. When you talk about, you know, what you're it talking is. about really is in, you know, in, in lightning or enlivening omni-channel capabilities throughout Canada, that makes a ton of sense. But I think it's, I think it's needed. I think customers want it. I think the volumes can con continue to grow. Um, you know, remember, we have many different solutions. So it's not just about a physical store. Uh, we've got, you know, the drop boxes, the kiosks, the lockers. 
Um, so there's many different solutions to help us grow to 2,500. So that's the exciting part um, that my team's working on. Well, that was what struck me the most of all the statistics you said today, which was, you know, going back to the lockers, like 11% of the locker activity is happening after traditional yep. hours. That means one yep. in 10 consumers is finding the need to make that type of pickup or re- potentially yep. return down the line uh, to that size and degree. That That's kind of crazy when you think about it, that that many people are wanting to shop this after hours. And are you seeing that number continue to move up too? Like, it what, is. What's the, it is. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's interesting is when you know when we first put up the lockers, there's that learning. Um, where customers are coming in and trying to understand the locker, they're learning it. Um, and I think once they get very comfortable with it, that's when we're starting to see a spike um, in customers coming in after hours because not everyone works like nine to five or nine to eight, right? Um, we have a lot of we service a lot of technicians, on road technicians. Right. We throw all of their packages into the locker. They're able to get access to it at six, seven o'clock in the morning and they can start their day earlier. So there's a lot of value added benefits, in my opinion, in um, kind of pushing that strategy forward. But yeah, Chris, I was um, I was fascinated, too. I think especially when we're talking about the labor required to operate these stores, too. I mean, you think about trying to find somebody to staff mm-hmm. these stores and being yeah. able to now extend the hours or be a little bit more flexible with the hours mm-hmm. of operation when somebody is actually, you know, manning the store and helping yeah. people with packages. I, I think that's the, that's the unlock for me here too, is that, and for, I think the retailers listening is that you, you have the ability for somebody to do that whenever yeah. it's convenient for them, get the product back in your hands as a retailer yeah. more quickly uh, and not be kind of held to those, the bankers hours. Like you're you talking it. about Lori. Yeah, no. And it's, it's important, right? Like the, the, the receiver, the consumer will um, look more favorably if they have more options that are going to match sure. their timeline. Right. Um, it's not always going to be like you said, the banker's hours. And what's also interesting from our perspective, we found the minute we put these lockers up outside of our corporate stores, um, our employees, are, the customer satisfaction and NPS went up. So, and one of the reasons why is because the wall reduced, we got rid of the lineups inside the store and mm-hmm. the customer coming in to ship out packages, paying by debit or credit, like personal shipments, the employees spent more time with them. They weren't rushed, right? Because mm-hmm. um, all of the pickups were happening outside the store. So it was really, it's an interesting dynamic to see what's going on um, in those locations. Yeah, that's a great point. Same dynamic probably happening with curbside pickup in general. Right? 100%. Right? Like it's just freeing everybody up to do yes. everything that everybody wants to do more. Um, yeah. Fa- well, and, yeah. So and allows people, I mean, it, your, your point is a good one, Chris, and that it, it, we talk about how convenience is mostly related to pickup. Like it was always about mm-hmm. how do I get my things on the same terms or on my terms when I want yeah. to, how I want to, but now it's thinking about the reverse logistics piece of that too. Like, how do I get to return things? And I'm making decisions about where I'm shopping based on exactly. what the returns process looks like too, on the other side of that. You got it. And the return before work, I'm just going to say, it feels like a no brainer at some point down the, down the line in the future, like before 8am, the return on the mm-hmm. way to the office, mm-hmm. like but your point, Anne, your point, Anne, about this being a way to deal with, with staffing issues is huge. Like, cause you're not, not going to mm-hmm. want to staff people for hours and then you can't even right. staff people during the regular hours, which this is still accessible towards. So, um, all right, well, Lori can tell we're getting geeked out by this conversation, <laughs> probably a little too much, which is our signature at Omni talk, but, um, I got I to gotta set the record straight with you today. You you actually set a record 
with us uh, on the show here okay. as being the longest tenured person at any one company that we have interview- ever interviewed. Now, I'm not going to share really? how long. Yes. Is that true? Yes. yes 100% you- it is. Yes. Wow. I've done the Boring. math. I've done the research. Longest good. tenured person at any one company. So I got to ask you, because I don't get this chance a lot. Ann and I don't get this chance a lot. So as you look back on everything you've learned during that tenure, that time, amid all this talk of digital transformation, as we've been kind of peppering the edges with in this conversation here today, what is the one lesson that you would share with the audience as your final parting thought or final parting words? Okay. Well, Chris, first of all, I can, I don't mind telling the viewers. I've been okay. here for 29 years. <sighs> It'll be That's 30 awesome. um, coming up in January. So, I mean, I started off in the stores, right? So I'm, right. I live and breathe um, here later. But um, so I would say, honestly, over the years, speed and convenience, um, it trumps everything. Speed, convenience, and flexibility, Chris. So what yeah. I've really noticed the changes, you need to move quickly. You don't really have a lot of time to sit around and analyze and take a look at what we could do in the future. You need to act now. And I'm very comfortable with progress over perfection. Let's get something out there. Let's, let's test it. Let's, you know, fail fast. Um, but if it works, tweak it and continue to roll it out. So that's kind of been our strategy over the last few years. And it's working really well for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I want to ask you one more follow-up on that. Because I feel like sure. the industry sometimes conflates those two words together, speed and convenience. They use them synonymously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what we've been talking about throughout this conversation has actually been more about the value of convenience relative to speed. Speed may be being a part of that, yeah. but convenience being separate from speed. How do you separate those two things in your mind for the audience? Yeah, you know, speed is, I guess, the speed of getting a package, right? So um, how quickly we can get to Pure and get your package delivered to you. We talked about the reach across Canada. Um, The speed of service. So when I think of self-serve technology, that's fast, right? I'm in and out. I don't need to wait in line or or talk to an associate. So from my perspective, that also means speed. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of how I differentiate the two. Um, the 24 seven, I think adds to some speed again, just, uh, quickly. I know I'm a self-serve person. I love going in and using self-serve. So it's fast. Right. And the convenience being that it's available or the options are there whenever you want them. Right. Yes. So that when and you the location. choose to take it, it's going to be really fast for you. That's the speed side of that. Yep. And you have a choice, right. right? Yep. Of where you want to go, where you want to shop. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, hey, Lori, that was awesome. That was great. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. That was a fun conversation. Got to learn a lot, too, as we were talking, like, angles I've never thought about, like Anne's staffing point and then the network creation of, across different trip types and whatnot. But uh, if people wanted to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about Pure Leader, like, what's the best way for them to do that? You know what, Chris? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, very approachable. I can help you out or go onto our website. Um, check out our website and um, purelater.com. We have our corporate communications listed on there. You can reach out to those folks as well, but we're here to answer any questions. Awesome. There you go. There I have it. Someone's been at a company 29 years. Army Talk audience saying, hit me up on LinkedIn. More than willing <laughs> to, to field your questions and, 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 and answer anything that she can. That's awesome. All right, Lori. Well, I think that I think that about concludes our, our conversation. Thanks to Lori from Pure Later for sitting down with us today. Thanks for everyone for your awesome engagement throughout the course of this conversation as well. And for anyone that joined us live on LinkedIn, 
As always, on behalf of Lori, Ann, and myself, be careful out there. <laughs>